0: welcome to the church in the peak podcast we hope you enjoy this message for more information visit churchinthepeak.org or come and join us at 10 a.m every sunday just anoint him now to bring us your word in jesus name amen before i speak what i've prepared um i saw i saw uh, ruth and richard's uh, post about going to buckingham palace um I had a slightly different experience this week. Uh, I, uh, if you know me, I, I work for a German company, so I was in Frankfurt this week. And we got a, uh, a colleague and I got a late flight, and uh, we got in the taxi to go to the hotel. He was at one hotel, I was at another. We went to his hotel first, and I was going to my hotel. So um, my German is sehr schlecht, which means really bad. Um, and uh, so I said to the, the taxi driver, Ursula Strasse. So he said, OK, right? So he starts driving off. He turns around the corner and he goes, Ursula Strasse, it's really dangerous here. And, and then I realized we we're in the red light district. <laughs> and uh, believe me, I, it was a vision of hell. I, and I mean that, I'm, I'm not joking. There were people lying on the floor, shooting up heroin. I mean, I don't mean one or two. I mean like 50. I mean a a lot. People with shopping trolleys with their worldly goods of practically nothing with one shoe on and one shoe off. Uh, And the taxi driver says to me, it's really dangerous here. Um, And I'm I'm starting to feel fearful because I'm thinking, where has... Rachel booked me to be here. <laughs> and there's a hotel and then a strip club underneath it. I was thinking, oh, that's not quite Kaperian, you know, that's not <laughs> quite my style. Anyway, I then s- so I, I thought, okay, I'll, I'll get my phone and I'll show him again, because he was trying to find the, the actual number. So I showed him my phone. He went, oh, Urslerstrasse. Yeah, that's what I said the first time. And he said, that's over the other side of town. <laughs> I'm going to the doctor next week. <laughs> no, it was a horrible uh, scene. And I, I just, this is a prophetic word. Uh, I, I feel that God would say to somebody that you have accidentally made a chore, or accidentally you have, you have come into circumstances that are hellish, horrendous, not what you want. But just go to Jesus and say, that's where I want to be. I want to be in your kingdom. I want you to take me there. And he will take you there. So the taxi driver then took me off to a really nice hotel, which I was booked (laughs) in, in a nice green area. And, And I told my German colleagues about this place, and they were like, I don't believe that there's such a place in Germany. I was like, believe me, there is a hell just around the corner, from the station in Frankfurt. Anyway, so that's that. Um, I, so very different to your experience. <laughs> so I was really jealous. I was thinking, "Oh, I don't get to go to Buckingham Palace. I get to go to there. But God is in all of these places. And I think that was the challenge to me. This is, so this is a separate prophetic word. It was a challenge to me that, you know, Jesus is there. He's prepared to be there. And so one, one of the things I want to talk about today is, uh, it could have a lot of titles, but um, uh, servant evangelism or servant heartedness. And what is God like? What is your God like? The, I was listening to a, a secular guy who was talking about, he's a psychologist, and he was talking about, Uh, he's not a Christian but he says whatever happens you end up worshipping something and his expression was you imitate what you worship now we think of it the other way around I kept thinking we worship what what we imitate but but God keeps saying no it is the first of all is the challenge you imitate what you worship so I'm going to look at some of these things so I shall come back to that but that, I thought, was a very challenging comment. What do we worship? And therefore, what do we imitate? Um, we've been f- looking at forgiveness recently and uh, uh, I-, I want to look at what is our image of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. What, did you, what, does, what do they look like to you? I... Uh, I, I felt led to the passage in, in John, John 13, uh, 1 to 17. Caleb, if you could put that up, that would be great. Oh, sorry, em, if you could put that up. There we go. I'll read it from here. So let me, div- as always, what's the context? So uh, in the book of John, you have a little bit of, of explanation about the beginning of Jesus' life and then you come quite quickly to the cross, the road to the cross and so this passage starts with uh, the last supper, so this is the introduction, so before the Passover celebration Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his father, he had loved his disciples during this ministry on earth and now he loved them to the very end it was time for the supper and the devil had already prom- prompted Judas son of Simon Iscariot to betray Jesus and Jesus knew that the father had given him authority over everything and that he had come from God and would return to God so he got up from the table took off his robe wrapped a towel around his waist and poured water into a basin Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around him. And Jesus came to Simon Peter. Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you don't understand now what I am doing, but one day you will. No, Peter protested, you will never, ever wash my feet. Jesus replied, unless I wash you, You won't belong to me. Simon Peter exclaimed, Then wash my hands and my head as well, Lord, not just my feet. Jesus replied, A person who has been bathed all over does not need to wash except for the feet to be entirely clean. And you, disciples, are clean, but not all of you, for Jesus knew who would betray him. That is what he was meant when he said, not all of you are clean. And after washing their feet, he put on the, his robe again, and he sat down and asked, do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, because that is what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed, you, washed your feet, you ought to, to wash each other's feet too. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. I tell you the truth, slaves are not greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. Um, So I read that passage and, and I felt very strongly that that was what God wanted me to do, but I also read around it and I came across the, the characters, and I, I kind of did it. This is a kind of a Bible study, I suppose, this morning. But I kind of looked at the different characters that were at that time. So let's... Uh, particularly uh, Thomas and Philip and, and John. I'm not going to look at Peter particularly, but particularly uh, those three. Um, you see, he was... Jesus was trying to point out his his humility. That is what he was showing, his humility to mankind. Um, he's saying that nothing is too small uh, in life, in our lives for him to deal with. There's nothing too small. Washing feet to us is, is, a, is a weird thing, isn't it? Uh, because we don't, We don't walk around in open-toed sandals in dusty areas, except if you're in in the, uh, the Holy Land, I guess. But it's that sense of dealing with things that are very intimate and very small that we need to deal with. And that Jesus cares about everything, all of those things. Even, you know, those people or probably especially those people I was telling you about in in Frankfurt. That he cares about them. He cares about if you've made that one choice that's wrong, and you've ended up in hell. He wants to draw you back out. He wants to guide you out of that. Um, Washing the feet was a very intimate action. And it was something that... uh, um, Paul Blecker put something, I think Paul's on holiday, isn't he? Uh, But he put something on the Facebook site as I was preparing this. I I haven't asked this to be put up, but I'll read it to you. It's scripture, it's in Ephesians. It says, Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowances for each other's faults because of your love. And make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body and one spirit, just as you are being called to be one glorious hope for the future. So what is your um, experience or impression of what God is like? And that's what I want to look at now. Um, Philip and Thomas and John. Let's have a look at those. Um, I looked looked up and those those three were there at the very beginning of Jesus' three-year ministry. They were some of the first called. So they'd seen three years of his teaching, amazing teaching, and yet they were so, they didn't grasp what he was saying. They didn't grasp even entirely who he was. They were still had lots of doubts. And I thought that was really interesting and really helpful in many ways because we can all have that wrong image of who Jesus is because sometimes we superimpose for instance our parents' attitude towards us and we superimpose that onto Jesus or onto the Heavenly Father. I am very fortunate I have, Uh, he's still alive but my my dad is 93, not perfect but he was always and still is uh, fiendishly loyal to his family, fiendishly loving of each one of us and uh, we had, uh, it was his birthday a few weeks ago and um, every year we, we go down and we celebrate his birthday in my brother and I grab whoever uh, children there are, grandchildren, and, and he loves to be with them. He loves to give them a bit of wisdom. You know, are you sure? Shave that beard off to my son. <laughs> to which my son says, you wouldn't want to see my face. That's <laughs> well, not true. But he's, he's fiercely loyal, generous, kind, So I found it easy becoming a Christian because I superimposed my my dad onto my heavenly father. So I had a good start. Many of you don't, or many of the people out in the world don't. And we are to be uh, imitators of Christ. We are to be, to show what Jesus is like by our actions. But what I wanted to, to say is that Sometimes we have a, a wrong idea of, of that image, just as uh, Philip and Thomas and, and John did. So there's the, the story when when uh, John and James, uh, they'd been sent out by Jesus uh, to, they'd been given the power of the, of the Holy Spirit, and, the, and Jesus said, I'm sending you out to preach the good news, heal the sick, see demons flee, so they all go out there and they see great things. They see the work of God. And then they go to Samaria and uh, James and John get rejected by uh, the Samaritans. And they come back to Jesus and they say, oh, we, we went over, it was great. We saw lots of people healed and set free. Uh, but we did go to Samaria and they didn't want to know. They were pretty hostile to us. Should we call fire on them, down on them, and eradicate them? And Jesus is like, what are you talking about? No, that's not the grace of God. He didn't say that. It just says he rebuked them. And sometimes we, we need to hear that rebuke. Uh, we were talking in, I, I, I think we are all talking about our prayer meeting this morning, you should come along, I'll tell you, it's great. Um, but repentance is the, is the kindness of God. Repentance brings us through to, back to a friendship with Jesus. So d- when we say, oh yeah, you need to repent of this, many of us will be like, yeah, sure, you know, yeah, okay, back off, pal, I don't want to do that. That's our pride, but actually, when, when Jesus rebukes, he gives us that, that reintroduction to him to say, I'm sorry, Lord, I've got this wrong. Come and correct me because I want to know you more. I want to know who you are exactly and I want to know that depth of relationship. Um, so there was another example. Um, Oh yeah, James and John. They're, they're, they've been there at the beginning, and uh, John's always, as you, if you know the the book of John, John says, you know, uh, I'm the one who Jesus loves the most. He's kind of boastful, isn't he? Um, and and Jesus does love him. Uh, and there's a, there's a point when James, uh, sorry. Uh, Yeah, James and John are uh, sitting there and they're talking to Jesus and they say, can one of us sit on the right-hand side of you and one on the left when you're in glory? And the others are really upset about this because they they see this kind of spiritual pride that has come in to John and they're really angry about it. And and I can kind of get that. What does Jesus do? He rebukes them again. He brings them back to humility so that they can understand what Jesus is like. <coughs> These things ha- have an effect on people. Um, then Thomas and Philip uh, just after this passage that we read Philip says look I tell you what show us the father and then we will believe then we will believe what you are like that you are God and again three years that they've been with Jesus they've seen miracles they've heard his teaching and yet Philip still says I tell you what Show us the Father, and then we'll, we'll understand and we'll believe. And can you imagine uh, the, the sort of most disappointment I would feel if I was Jesus? It's like, you know, are you really that dumb? You know, I, I, we've got a, a new colleague who's uh, started with us. And uh, we, we always work out that it takes about six months of training of people to actually see them understand the job and a year or maybe two years before they're actually useful in in a really easy way. It takes time. Well, Jesus has had these guys three years. They'd heard the most extraordinary teaching and yet they still were doubting. And then we come, of course, to Thomas Uh, after the resurrection I always love this story. You see, he, he says, all the others come to him and say, We've seen Jesus, he's alive. And he's like, Nah. Yeah, I, I've got to see, I've got to see him. I've got to see the wounds in his hands. And I've got to put my hand in the wounds. And what does Jesus do? He's, of course, being God, he's heard everything. So he appears to Thomas and says, Okay, put your hand in my wound. Thomas is like. You are God. He doesn't need to do that. That causes him to worship. My question to you is, what is your image of God? Is he a gracious God? When you think of, when you're praying for someone or you think of certain circumstances, someone who's irritated you, do you think, yeah, why don't you just call down some fire on them? Why don't you blitz them? You need to repent of that. You need to turn away from that attitude. My encouragement to you would be to read the Gospels. Immerse yourself in what Jesus is like. In concluding, what happens is when so all these characters, they have been with Jesus all that time, they still don't get it. Then they see the resurrected Christ. The one who has cheated death by his righteousness. And has risen from the dead. And of course Pentecost has come as well. And filled them with his spirit. That is when they change. So what do we see with, with um, all these different characters? So... Um, Philip becomes one of the first century great evangelists he's uh, he goes off uh, to Samaria I think uh, and he sees mighty miracles and then uh, Peter and John come and help him because the the revival is so amazing and they feel they they pray for people to be filled with the Spirit and then there's another guy, um, Simon the Sorcerer, who comes along and says, Oh, I've I've seen all the power that's coming here. Can I buy this? Can I have this? Now, perhaps if you'd asked them a few years earlier, they might have gone, Yeah, that's quite interesting. Yeah. Because what they were all what they were worshipping earlier, John and uh, Philip was power not Jesus they were, they, their worship was of power and John when he was talking about um, I want to be <coughs> at, the, at your right hand he's worshipping his status and sometimes we have to come to God and say what am I worshipping am I worshipping you because I want to imitate you if we imitate wanting power, we will call fire down from, from heaven on people. If we worship money, we will take that backhander. If we worship just our, our, uh, the, the wrong relationships, it will lead us into the wrong area. What we should do is imitate Jesus. And that is a very difficult thing. It won't happen overnight, but be filled with the Spirit and work with the Spirit so that you can be changed. Allow your attitudes to be changed. Believe me, I'm not perfect at all, as as I'm sure you can all tell. But I want to be more like Jesus. And so I hold the mirror up to myself of what he is like. Read the Gospels, you will see the way that Jesus acts and then imitate him. I'm sure if I had been you know, wonderfully godly, I would have got out of that taxi and prayed for people on the street rather than feeling fearful that if I'd got out with my you know, nice clothes that I would have been robbed, which I probably would have been within five minutes. But Jesus isn't afraid of that. He is not afraid to go where we are afraid to go. There's an adventure to be had. And grab hold of his hand. Let him change you. But be filled with the spirit. And then you will be able to to imitate what you are worshipping, which is Jesus. Okay, I'm going to stop there. Can we just, can we have a, a song of worship? Um, if you need a choice Sarah the last one we did but I'll leave it to you